You're in the water loop. Hey, this is Travis with Waterloop. I want to tell you a story about High Sierra Showerheads, who I'm proud to have as a sponsor of this podcast, particularly because they make incredibly water-efficient showerheads. I've talked with owner David Malcolm about growing up in California, learning about the importance of water and energy efficiency from his father. David has been designing high-efficiency nozzles for agriculture and golf courses for the past 30 years. The golf course people actually came to him wanting a nozzle that produced a uniform spray but was water efficient. So David went in and designed a nozzle that explodes a low-pressure stream of water into a shower of large, powerful droplets. David actually thought this would make a great showerhead, and that's how High Sierra Showerheads was born. And nobody has their nozzle technology. It's patented, and you get a great shower while saving water. Use promo code WATERLOOP for 20% off at HighSierraShowerHeads.com. Waterloop, Waterloop, Waterloop. Welcome to Waterloop. This is Travis. Probably the most uh, looked forward podcast episode I've ever had uh, personally here. I am joined by Jamal Yogis. He is an author of a number of incredible books that I've I've read a while ago. I have uh, Saltwater Buddha here. Uh, he wrote The Fear Project, uh, All Our Waves Are Water, and recently a children's book here, uh, Mop Rides the Waves of Life. So, Jamal, I'm so glad uh, to get to have a conversation with you. Yeah, it's great to finally meet. We've been crossing paths on the inner waves, <laughs> interweb <laughs> yeah. waves, so this is this is really exciting. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, and like I was just saying, um, you know, this is this is a water podcast, but I you know, I like to talk about the ocean and talk about surfing and uh, you know, I I majored in college in philosophy and religion, so um, I certainly have a great affinity for your your work and how you've explored all of these things through your through your books. Um, so I guess where where should we start here? The ocean. Um, uh, there's so many issues with the ocean, but uh, I've always had an incredible spiritual relationship with the ocean. Um, it it feels like it really balances you out in life. It grounds you. It opens you up. Uh, it teaches you so many lessons. And I think you've you know you've certainly hit on those things in a lot of your your writing. Um, what are your what are your feelings toward the ocean along those same lines? I mean, I could go for ages about this. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure you can too, Travis. But it, what's hitting me right now is that quote by Rumi, you know, best-selling poet of all time. Um, uh, we're not a drop in the ocean, or you are not a drop in the ocean. You are the entire ocean in a single drop. That. Uh, that is like a, a koan. It's a mystical line. It's a line of poetry. You don't really have to understand it to somehow feel it when you're on standing on the, <laughs> on the coast or up on a bluff or you're in the water surfing. And there's something about me that is infinitesimally small that I feel right now and yet at the same time infinite. Mm. And... Um, you know, you can you can get at that on a quantum physics level. <laughs> yeah, like, wow, yeah. no, 
um, within every atom, there's sort of the same juju as the rest of the universe. Um, and you can also come at it from just a, a, a sense of mental spaciousness of interconnectivity. Um, but there's something that Rumi was getting at in that quote that I think explains um, so much about our experience in the ocean. That experience could be one of feeling in the flow, um, like kind of just like life's cruising along and I'm in my element, I'm in the zone. Um, it can be one of like relaxation and rejuvenation, like getting the ocean gets us into like a parasympathetic state where we can like our bodies naturally heal. So it's medicine. Um, or it can be like a feeling of awe, you know, just like the ocean gets me into that place where I, of wonder, mm. where I'm just like, uh, kind of that little kid space where you're like looking at, at the sky and being like, what, why am I here? What? <laughs> so all of those are the questions that both, um, you know, that, that, uh, the mystics have been getting at for millennia. And it's no wonder that, um, you know, not only Rumi, but Buddhists and Christians and, um, you know, shamans have used ocean metaphors um, through the ages. Like when you get into the old Buddhist text, everything is an ocean of wisdom. There's an ocean of Buddhas. There's um, an ocean of virtue, um, uh, an ocean of peace. So, you know, we come from the sea. That's what, where life comes from. The blood in our veins is 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 uh, very close to the consistency of seawater. So even when you're you're out of the water, you're still kind of in the water. And um, and for me personally, you know, I'm 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 kind of bouncing around to different ideas here. Hmm. Though it's always felt like a homecoming. Hmm. Um, That's you no. Know, that's exactly uh -huh. that's exactly one of the big things for me is like uh, and it gets back to your idea that we evolved from the sea at some point way way back right I feel like uh, it is a homecoming it's like this is where I'm this is where I am meant to be even though I'm a land creature right it's it's very much that way um, one of yeah. the, one of the things with the the ocean and surfing and meditation is there's these experiences that are hard to verbalize uh, and it's hard to put into words and articulate and it's one of the things I've always appreciated about your books is it's like yes those are those are thoughts or feelings emotions experiences I've had but are are so hard to articulate um, and even if you articulate them it's hard for people to fully grasp unless they've had that experience themselves, right? Like that, that stoke you get from surfing, um, that, that place you meld into when you're meditating, you know, these are things that you can try to explain, but you have to have that experience almost to, to really understand. Yeah. It's a good metaphor for, um, mystical pra or for spiritual practice because, um, you can talk about like what it feels like to meditate, you know, just like you could talk about 
what an apple tastes like to someone who's never tasted an apple. They're never going to get from your explanation what the flavor of an apple is and what the experience is of that crunch and that crispness. You're never going to get the feeling of what it is to ride a wave through language. You have to ride a wave. Mm. And it's totally ineffable. It's it's something that is full body. You're completely present. It's um, It's spiraling molecules domino affecting of uh, you know <laughs> in numerous spirals that have crossed the whole ocean they're tripping over each other to make this peeling you know spiral effect that is at once looks solid and yet it is actually just energy moving through this medium of ocean and you're riding that energy which is the memory of wind that, you know, <laughs> was pushed into these molecules and literally because energy will stay in motion, um, just traveled for thousands of miles and you're riding that, that, um, that peak. How can you explain that in words? I think you, it's, it's been, um, funny that, that I, I, really landed in, in the place of trying to describe that. And I will always fall back on poets, um, you know, my books, I'm always grabbing from poets. Uh, and because um, I think you need a kind of language that goes beyond the the linear. I'm thinking of Philip Larkin when you were talking and said you're a, a philosophy and re religion major because he has one of my favorite quotes. Um, you know, if I were called in to construct a religion, <laughs> I should make use of water. Wow. I, yeah. I don't think I've heard that one. Or if, I don't recall even getting that in your book. That's awesome. Yeah. And it, it really gets at that point that like, there's something, you know, religions, they use, we use ritual um, and symbolism to create this theater that allows you to get into that place of awe. The wa water does that automatically. And I think it's funny, surfers and kayakers and it becomes a religious thing where you you are basically a cult and then you've become a tribe because you're like, these other people who do this with me, they understand something that I can't talk about in in a to other people. They understand that we share this experience that is bigger than language. And I think in a similar way to religion, it's like when you're singing together or whatever in a choir and you're singing about God and creation and all these big ideas, you're like, we just had a moment together <laughs> and and now we're family. And I think that happens in the water tribes that, that exist out there too. What about that idea that, you know, the feeling you get kind of when you're in the flow surfing, it's it's a, there's almost that transcendent transcendental state. You're transcending everything going on on land and your daily life and you're just kind of in this this state and kind of the parallels there with meditation which you know you have a lot of time under your belt doing uh, from from having read your book um yeah how do you how do you kind of view the the overlap of those things um yeah well we know some cool stuff scientifically now where it's like the just the patterns on water um are like feeding and stimulating parts of your brain that don't um that are not normally stimulated. So just looking at the water is like a, 
a massage for <laughs> areas of your brain that you don't always access in the city, like very vertical kind of, you know, geometrical shapes that we enter into in, in the city. And then you get out on the water and the way those ripples and waves cross over, it's stimulating and relaxing to our brains. It gets us out of planning mode. Mm. So we're more present and um, similar to forests and stuff. Those landscapes are so complex that it's funny. It feels like we're simplifying, but actually we're getting out of language mode and all those neurons that are not usually stimulated in linear, you know, language name calling mode are, are waking up. So it's almost like you're, you are going back to this kind of Eden state where it's like before, <laughs> before, you know, you know, good and bad before, you know, you ate of the fruit of knowledge, you were in this state of kind of um, presence and the ocean allows for that. And that, um, it, I think one of the reasons um, the water is so attractive is that to get into that state just from following your breath in meditation, um, it can take a little more work because when you, you sit down to meditate, you may know this, Travis, it's like in the beginning, you're like, my mind's just churning out gibberish. Mm -hmm. I can't focus because you haven't trained it to. And, um, and so it takes a little more discipline to be like, I'm going to be still for 30 minutes or an hour or mm -hmm. 10 days. Mm -hmm. And, and those and similar states will will arrive as drifting in the water. It, they're different, but there's some similarities in the in the types of presence and getting out of um, the typical uh, ways that we identify self and other through language, or we identify ourselves in time um, through like. Uh, I'm doing this now and I will be on a schedule the rest of the day. So, I mean, and, and those states are so valuable for, um, for our creativity, for just getting out of stress, for feeling joy, um, because, uh, you know, language is wonderful and you need to know where you are on the map to drive around and have a schedule to be a being in the world. But it's not necessarily your true state, you know, there's nothing um true about uh there's no reason that you know you have to uh, you're not a good person just because you work eight hours a day you know that's a construct that we've right. created yeah. and so to really just like pop out of that say well what what does it really mean to be alive um it's something the water provides me. I can't tell you the number of times I'm sure this is true for you where I've just been in a state of like, my job's a wreck, whatever, <laughs> my relationship's a wreck, I'm a bad dad, get in the water. And all of a sudden I have that feeling of like, wait a minute, everything's right where it needs to be. I'm where I need to be. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, I, dr I drag my family, you know, sometimes if the family's having a rough day or somebody's grumpy or something, you know, I'm like... If we can get to the beach, let's get to the beach. Let's get in the water. Everybody's going to get smoothed out by that for sure. Um, yes. And you know, and talking about the water and the forest and how that all feels, you know, it's like, oh, wait a minute, we're meant to be in nature, right? We're not meant to be in these concrete jungles and this con constructed world. And something about being in that natural environment just feels right and and soothing. Um, it's interesting. Yes. You mentioned other couple things you mentioned with water or with surfing and meditating. Um, 
yeah, definitely, even if I'm doing just a 20 or 30 minute kind of sit, right? Like the first 10 minutes are kind of rough and choppy and struggling. And then you kind of, kind of find that, find that, uh, that place a little bit more. And sometimes it's like that surfing too, where I'm, I'm grumpy about something. I'm stressed about something. I feel like, oh, I've got this with me in the water. I'm going to have a, you know, I'm not going to have a great time today. Why am I like this? And then all, and then it disappears <laughs> in a similar kind of fashion, you know? Um, and then one other thing that I, I, uh, I think I mentioned this maybe on Twitter uh, and tagged you a couple years ago. Uh, I find myself out there in the ocean sometimes on a choppy day or a big day, scrambling around trying to find the, the spot to sit, you know, and I'm moving in and I'm moving out and I'm getting all agitated and I'm like, this is the monkey mind right now, right? This is my mind. I, I have to, just like meditating, I have to just, shh, let me just sit here <laughs> and be calm and go with the flow. Um, so some, some yeah. good lessons there. Uh, yeah, I'm with you. I mean, no matter how long I've been doing this, I still get in the water sometimes if it's good and it's crowded, I'm like, I got to get my quota of waves. And, <laughs> um, and you can find yourself on a gorgeous day doing the thing that you love being like agitated or angry. And, um, I think that's a good time to practice actual mindfulness in the water where you can be like, Hey, what if I actually just watch the light on the water while I sit here? What if I actually follow my breath, mm. um, or a practice in expectations? You know, this goes back to the, the Buddha's idea of like, we suffer because of our, um, incessant desires. <laughs> so it's like our incessant desires for things to be another way than they are right now. So our failure to just accept feelings that we're having. And so um, surfing is a perfect metaphor for that because it's like you get one wave, you're super stoked, and then you're like, oh, I got to get another one. And it's like then if someone's in your way, they all of a sudden become an enemy or an obstacle. All those things are natural. And, it, and you as a human being, I think, have to say, well, this is fun. I can get into my com competition mindset. That's okay. But as soon as it starts to turn on you and create suffering, you can catch yourself and be like, oh, what if I lower my expectations right now to just being in the water? Like, that's my goal of this <laughs> session right now. Or one wave. Like, I'm going to get one wave. And um, so I play with that sometimes, mm -hmm. uh, those, like, expectation models. Because really what we're talking about, I think, with, like, water releasing us into freedom is we're getting out of like our usual mental grooves. So like the groove of, of um, judgment of ourselves or the groove of I need to, of comparison. I need to meet a certain number of waves for this to be a quote unquote good session or um, like all of those are fine goals to have for um, on a sort of linear plane but if you want to be free you kind of want to break out of that and experience life and so uh and you need an i think a number of tools in your toolkit for breaking out of those grooves sometimes the water will do it other times it won't if you go in the water every day you can be a grumpy jerk every single time <laughs> in water, and we see that with people sometimes so i think um you know mindfulness practice and a uh, a nature practice can really um 
support each other mm. because sometimes you're like, I'm doing my 15 minutes a day in of meditation and that becomes like just another thing to check off the list in the day and it becomes kind of dry. And then sometimes you surf every day or maybe you mountain bike every day and you're like, now this is becoming a chore or it's becoming like a thing where I just am competing with other people and it's not freeing. And so mm. you kind of use, um, but then you go out surfing if your meditation practices become a little like stale and you're like, oh, now I feel present and joyful. I'm like a little kid. I'm in beginner's mind. This is fun and playful. And you can take that experience and be like, oh, maybe I'll bring that into my sit of just like, I'm just going to sit here. And what is it like to breathe right now? Mm. Like this is a curious experience. My my body breathes on its own. My heart beats on its own. So you get back into like a beginner's mind place rather than this is a good sit. This is a bad sit. This is a good sit. This is a bad sit. So uh, water is really powerful in breaking us out of um, our, those grooves. But sometimes you got to, you know, shake it up. Yeah, I appreciate a lot of what you said, but especially about that expectations piece. I think I struggle with that, with getting expectations too high for something or taking things too hard when expect my expectations aren't met. When something goes a different way, I'm just like crushed by it. Uh, so I've just very recently been like, I need to try to keep it keep it a little more balanced and level. I um. Over this past summer, my nine-year-old really kind of took to surfing and enjoyed it and everything like that. And there's been times where we go and you know, you know this, the surf sinks. You know, it's just not not good. It's windy. It's mushy. Whatever. Um, and he starts to get agitated. He's like, "Why do we bring this stupid board?" And and I'm like, try to explain how the ocean works, right? Like. We get what the ocean gives us. Some, a lot of times, you're going to be frustrated as heck out there, um, and but it's better to do the work of taking your board and and you know not need it than to not bring your board and and need need having it. So trying to work on expectations with with him as well, which is a uh, you know you have uh, three kids. Is that right? It's, it's a it's uh, it's all part of it. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, first of all, kudos for getting your nine-year-old in the water because it's not. I mean, I have three, and we live uh, until recently we're in San Francisco in the cold water, and I I tried so hard to get them all into it, and yeah. we have we've had our moments, but um, where they're into it, but usually we have to get in the warm water, and it's it's challenging though. It's a challenging sport. Mm. You gotta get um, beat up a little bit. You gotta. Uh, it doesn't happen instantly where you're just like up and up and doing it. So I think as parents, we got to use those expectations on ourselves too to be like, hey, I <laughs> I made it down here to the beach. I always try when I'm getting my three guys in their wetsuits. Like if we all get in our wetsuits and we make it to the sand, I'm like without a huge tantrum, <laughs> I'm like that right there is a success. If we then catch one wave, that's like really great. Um, so I try to keep expectations low, but it's funny. We, we do that with our kids. Like where we'll, we'll say like, Oh, you know, we'll help them manage their expectations. But then we, we don't always do it with ourselves, mm. which I think is interesting where it's like, mm. um, if we don't meet certain goals at work, we're so hard on ourselves or whatever. And it's, I don't know, I'd love to hear from you too, because I work on this constantly. It's like we, you need to have high standards for yourself mm -hmm. to do quality work. 
you can't just be like, oh, I don't care. I have low expectations. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll just do this because that'll be bad work. But you also can't get in this state of like self-judgment and criticism mm. where um, you're just suffering through work and also your creativity is limited because you're you're so mm. judgmental. So I think um, for me, uh, there is uh, there's like a that mantra I get to in the fear project, I don't know if you remember, but there's a prepare, 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 flow, prepare, 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 let go. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a, in the world, in worldly pursuits, whether you're learning surfing or um, learning writing, there is a grind element to it yeah. and there's a letting go element to it. And I kind of go back to like, uh, you know, calligraphy or martial arts where it's like it's so disciplined you have to really just repeat 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 in order to find total relaxation and freedom and so um but i think along the way uh there, that hand opening and closing is <laughs> sort of like power like yeah right like is is constant it's like the human human condition you're, you're totally right. That's very much how it is. You you work hard, you prepare, you learn, you study, you practice, you put in all this work. And then at some point you have to realize, I've done all that. It is what it is now. And this is this is this is the product of it and I have to to let it be. I did all of that. I have to <laughs> I have to accept I put in a tremendous effort. There is no perfection necessarily, right? There um and right. You just kind of go with that. I mean, circling back to to fatherhood and parenthood, you know, it's definitely some of the same same things. I think I I probably beat myself up more about you know trying to trying to be this great parent and father um, and holding myself to these standards and being super critical of falling short, you know. Um, yeah. And instead of being like it's not always my fault that one of the kids gets upset about something or misbehaves or, you know, that's not on me. That's, that's them to some degree. And so it's, it's, it's trying to find, find that balance of doing my best as a parent, accepting what I've done, trying to do better, but, you know, letting it be also. Um, yeah, no, I'm with <laughs> in the same boat I, I mean i've been thinking about it recently i was actually talking about this with my kids the other day that we have you know our boys are four seven and eight so there's lots of conflict like they're, <laughs> they fight with each other they get along great they fight they go it's, it's constant and um and so you know all of us get into the red zone oh, of yeah. like frustration and anger with each other multiple times a day before being a dad, I, w I probably had one of those moments every four months oh. where I was like, I'm, I'm like heated up about this. It's, it's literally went from zero times a day on average to 20. And, um, and so I think at the end of the day to feel like, did I, did I do right? Yeah. Like there um, is you have to kind of breathe and be like, okay, my intention here, my baseline is I love these kids so much. Yeah. I'm trying my best. And so, um, I try to remember that, that, you know, I'm never going to be perfect. And as long as, um, 
I really am in my intention is love and I'm telling them that that I'm gonna mess up just like they do um, and and be compassionate with myself as I'm compassionate with them like they get to snap all the time <laughs> and kick each other and I'm like okay here learn that lesson I still love you um, but me if I snap and I and I'm like I'm so frustrated <laughs> right I'm so hard on myself because I shouldn't be there you know but I I think I don't know about you. I feel like I need to um, be as compassionate with myself as I am with them. Of like, we're all, you know, we're all learning these, this, the riding these emotional waves, and um, and there's no like standard for this is the way to act in this moment because everything's fluid with kids. Like sometimes they need a really soft approach. Like, Hey, you're, you're amazing. You can do this. And sometimes they need like, you're going to get in the water, buddy. Cause we committed to this <laughs> and like, you're not turning around and you don't know which one is going to be the right one at that moment. So, and so it's, it's trial and error. And I think it's a hard job. It's yeah. a hard job. It's a wonderful job. No, it's, a, it's exactly. It's, it's amazing how I feel so uh, so similar. I have a nine and 12-year-old, two boys. So, yeah. yep, battles, battles <laughs> and, and love, right? It's like at the, all going on at the same time. Um, and yeah, that, that <sighs> the moments of agitation <laughs> that, that come, right? It's just like, wow, it's crazy. Yeah. Um, and I, I, you know, going to the philosophical way, you know, you, you've done all this big, deep thinking and meditating and been around the world and on these incredible retreats and, and hung out with monks. And, you know, there's this, there's this head in the clouds, feet on the ground dilemma, right? You're like, that's something I've always kind of struggled with or, you know, talked to a lot of people about, right? You have this very spiritual world that's all just energy and molecules and let's just meditate and be the universe. But then you have the reality of this world we've constructed and, and kids. And it's like um, trying to, to have both of those experiences in life is, is certainly interesting. It is. It is, and I. I think. Um, I think it's. For me, it's a lot about mindset of like, not pitting one against the other. Mm. It's all the same path, and I like if we were monks in a monastery, you know, you and me, Travis, and we had taken all that out mm. um, and said we're just gonna focus on meditating this life mm -hmm. yeah <laughs> and uh our if we had a good teacher and this is you know what all the stories are like with for monks is like they create all these challenges for you no you can't just like sit in the cave and zone out like you're gonna build a house right now or like we're gonna um put obstacles in your way to get you to not attach to one state or another mm. like the state of bliss is temporary it happens in meditation it's a beautiful um uh glimpse at that energetic oneness that is but that is not all that is you know we are also embodied beings who um have differentiation and so 
you and those exist simultaneously the the oneness and bliss and the differentiation and the the chaos so that's what all those texts like from the Tao Te Ching to the Avatamsaka Sutra are about how duality is actual and unity are the same mm. and um so what i think about is in life as dads or as business people or um we don't need a guru poking us and being like, Hey, you know, <laughs> we have that. Stop meditating. You got to cook me lunch. We have our kids and we have these innumerable challenges and all of those challenges are our way of integrating hmm. the, um, and finding uh, flow within the chaos. Um, so this is not something that I excel at, but when I, when I, um, have pitted like my sometimes i'll be like i used to get to live in my van and surf anytime i want and like cruise around i had all so much freedom anytime i felt bad i could just like go surf i could play my guitar i could whatever and now i don't have any freedom <laughs> either working or um, being a dad and you know my surf sessions are 30 minutes um and if I get into that mindset of this is what wrecked me mm, <laughs> when mm, I'm stressed, mm. it's like uh, I, I, I get into the mindset of this is my greatest growth opportunity and my greatest teacher. And because things had, were pretty cruisy and happy <laughs> for me, these challenges are the most important thing that are allowing me to become in the Buddhist sense, like a bodhisattva where I'm not just concerned with my own personal bliss and able to access that. I'm concerned that nobody's free until we all can wake up to um, a larger reality of compassion and love. And so um, fatherhood, I think, or parenthood is really like, you know, it's the ultimate, uh, it's an, it's an amazing spiritual uh, process it and it's it's good because it's difficult yeah. and um, so yeah. that's the mindset that I don't always have I can I can conjure it on a podcast <laughs> <laughs> well right right no totally um, it's helpful yeah we we sit and we we gripe about the grind of of parenthood but like those moments those glimpses of bliss or those real moments of bliss are there's nothing like them right like the the beauty of our children and being be able to see the wonder of the world through their eyes and and have these experiences kind of with them i mean of course it's it's amazing amazing stuff um yeah uh, so uh, speaking of that so you know your your book here uh let's get it in front of the camera mop mop rides the waves of life um I, I grabbed that and um, especially i think it's kind of aimed really at like what four to eight year olds generally um but um, I shared it with my nine-year-old um, he was excited that i was going to talk to you uh, because i think the lessons in here are, are things he can use. They can think they're things I can use <laughs> for sure. Um, but could you talk a little bit about how you try to talk about surfing and waves and the ocean and the lessons they have for, for kids? Yeah. I mean, I think it's, um, it's great that it's a picture book because, um, when you just talk about, like, oh, an emotional wave for a kid, it's sort of abstract. Like, what are you really talking about? And the fact that waves are passing in the ocean. Um, I think it, 
I would sometimes refer to those things before having written mop in picture books. And I think it went over their heads. I mean, pun intended with (laughs) that dive. Um, But yeah, when, when I got that down on mop evolved just organically, I wasn't thinking, Oh, now I'm going to write a a mindfulness kids book about surfing. Um, I just loved to doodle and I was redrawing waves and it's kind of a nice meditative practice practice for me and um drew a kid with curly hair and i was like i really like this character um the way this kid looks and i started drawing him on more waves and then um and that evolved into a storybook then i was like oh maybe i'll try to publish this and i think um i didn't know honestly how it would go over with my kids um but it was cool because right when the the galleys came in and we had like the full color pdf and and uh and matt allen the illustrator also made a coloring book it was right when COVID hit and so we were all locked down um all of a sudden and um and then i had this tool of a of a coloring book and (laughs) so we were you know in homeschool there and they're coloring mopping duck diving the wave of fear sadness and anger Mm. And um, I wasn't really talking about the concepts much. They were just coloring, and they knew the story. Um, but then, like, a week into quarantine, like, everybody was raging mad and fighting a lot <laughs> and just going nuts. And I had started hanging their pictures up on the wall of Mop Duck Diving, those emotions. And just one day during a fight, I was like, hey, look at Mop. Like, you're in a wave. Um and it's gonna pass so just wait a beat you know before you hit your brother or whatever (laughs) and uh and our oldest was like no it's not gonna pass i'm gonna be angry at him forever and uh and he heard him say it and i was like forever really and he he laughed uh and then the anger broke and and so all through like the three months of that end of homeschool i kept those pictures up didn't work every time so well but like it became a natural language for us where emotions pass Mm. when you're right in the thick of it when you're right in the red zone literally your amygdala is just like lit up and on lockdown and you have no access to your Mm. prefrontal cortex like you're no creative thinking and so kids are like the perfect demonstration of this because it doesn't matter what you say when they're in that state they're just gonna Yeah, they're like angry dogs just so you have to literally just find a way for them to chill before they don't hurt each other or themselves and let the emotion pass and that's tough um to find language for and i think pictures work Mm. well so i've started like just being you know using those pictures to remind them like this is temporary. If you just go outside for two minutes, then we can come in and talk about it, but we can't address it because I'm. And the other thing that I found is really helpful is not putting it on them that, like, you're the only one in the red zone who mm-hmm. this happens to. I'll say to them, I'm in the red right now, I'm in an angry wave, um, and I need, we all need a minute, and then we'll work it out, you know? And that has, worked pretty well for us and um 
so I hope it, it's, you know, and I'm getting some reports that it's working for other parents and families and schools. So, um, so I'm stoked, you know, I didn't know how the, how it would go over. Cause it's kind of a high level psychological idea. Oh, yeah. Big time. <laughs> but kids, I think with the pictures, they're like, Oh yeah, I get that. You yeah. Know? Yeah, totally. And, and like I said, uh, it's a concept that works for me too, right? Like uh, as, as an adult, when I'm when I'm in that red zone in those situations, I'm like, just just duck dive under this one and and wait for that calm water on the other side here for for a minute. Um, yeah, a couple, I guess, last things I want to talk about. Uh, it's hard to say this is the last thing because it's such a big big topic, but you know, the idea of like the quest for the perfect ride, um, you know, kind of like your one subtitle here, uh, stumbling towards enlightenment and the, and the perfect ride. Um, what, what does that mean? How, how, what does that mean to you? Yeah. I mean, it was funny that we, we, we stumbled into that subtitle because, um, you know, to, to sort of give away the, the conclusion is that the perfect ride is the, is the ride we're on now. You know, it's, it's, uh, to, to put it in the future is, is the ultimate, um, sort of, uh, trap mm -hmm. because you'll always be looking on the horizon and the, and then, and the wave that you find the way the, the monkey mind works, it'll always say, well, what's next? Mm. <laughs> I got that, but compared to what? And so um, that's the way the, in Buddhist terms, the samsaric mind works. And it's the mind that separates, uh, you know, us from the, from that place of unity that, from being the ocean inside the drop rather than mm. <laughs> being the drop that's barred off from the rest of the ocean. And so, um, it, it, um, and it's the ultimate, um, you know, what we were talking about earlier is I think it's easy to get into a place where you say, okay, well, the ultimate ride is what I'm on the wave I'm on now. So I'm just going to give up goal setting or <laughs> give up, <laughs> uh, trying to find like a, a sweet wave. And that's not what I'm saying. It, um, is true, but I'm saying, um, that the somehow that you can hold both, you know, and realizing that, that, uh, seeking, uh, if you're seeking and putting the perfect ride out there on the horizon, it'll always be just <laughs> over that horizon, Yeah, over that horizon. Or, but if, um, you know, you're like, well, I right now has all the fullness of, um, you know, I have access to the fullness of the ocean because the ocean is inside me, I'm already there. Mm. So I can enjoy the sort of playfulness of this smaller minded <laughs> me <laughs> that just wants to like stoke out and compare and be like, nah, I want to learn how to do a, you know, get a better tube. Mm. Um, but really seeing that self or that mind as one that's almost like a movie you're watching where you're like, I can, I can enjoy this movie and be like stoked that Bruce Willis like saved the day. <laughs> but if he doesn't, it's no big deal. 
right because <laughs> i'm connected to something bigger all the time like if i have to shut off this movie halfway through whatever you know it's like it uh it's all good it's all good and it's always all good the perfect ride is now and within that i can play around in this you know place of uh that humans have constructed mm. where there's all these rules of what's good and what's awesome and you know how famous are you and that's like mm. the playground of our reality that mm. you can choose to engage with on any level but i think um you know the metaphor of of that uh that yogis and buddhists use a lot is the one of dream like if you're in a nightmare and you don't know you're dreaming, um, you are terrified. But if you're in a nightmare or, or a dream and you realize you're dreaming, you're free. You're like, this is still kind of weird. I'm in this dream and there's this monster, but I'm not scared. Um, and they, they say that that is the feeling of true enlightenment is that it's not that things aren't important and maybe the other characters on your dream you can help them, but you're, you're, you're still, the world is still there, but you're, you see through it in a way and you can be playful about it. And, um, so yeah, I don't know if that makes yeah, any sense yeah. at all. But. <laughs> it, it absolutely does. It absolutely does. Totally. Um, and you know, lastly, then I'll, the, the title of that book, you know, the idea that, that all, waves are water. I'm sure we've touched on this concept, but, uh, you know, water podcast talking about surfing, what wanted, wanted just to kind of come back on and close on, on that, what kind of what your philosophy is that led to that title. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's another angle on what we were just talking about where, um, we want to create, we want to pit, things against each other like you know um everything's in the flow you know except donald trump you know everything <laughs> is um, and we want to judge our feelings too of like these feelings are blissful and groovy and this feeling is it's not part of the of the sea hmm. you know and what all our waves are water um that title is getting at is really like that feeling of actually you can embrace it all um, because in your, in whether you're talking and on multiple levels, like in your meditation, you might say, this is a bad meditation. I'm feeling really jealous or guilty or, you know, but there's a switch that can happen where you say, well, but this anger or this guilt or this jealousy actually has the same basic source. It's like, you know, it's energy moving around. And if I just feel it, what's the actual feeling? Mm. It's like, well, it's heat or it's um, discomfort or it's tightness. That sort of, as soon as you notice it and be like, what is it actually? It's just like, well, this is a maybe a gnarly wave <laughs> but it's or a big storm. It feels bad, but what's its essence? It's water. Does it have to, um, you know, does it have to, to, it doesn't have to become my identity. Um, it's just because going back to being like a guilty dad, it's <laughs> like, I don't have to let this bad feeling become who I am. 
because it's its nature is natural. It's mm. just um, it's what it is. And so um, that's the kind of meditative level of all our waves or water is like be with what is. It's there. Um, and then on a on a sort of life reality level, <laughs> it's. Um, you know, there's something to that too, in holding the unity and the in duality, and it's not something that's something that I feel like is still a kind of a koan for me personally, where I'm, I am, uh, I'm like, uh, it's a question. Still chewing on that. Yeah, <laughs> but <laughs> I'm, exactly? I'm riffing on still. I'll get yeah. back. To Travis. Yeah, yeah, awesome. Well, uh, maybe we can can link up again and, and further explore these things or uh, and so forth. But um, Jamal, I really am glad for the opportunity to talk with you. Um, hopefully, one day this can be in person and we can sit around and talk and talk and talk forever, catch some waves. Who knows what? But um, really grateful for your time and your perspective. And you, uh, this was like a, a therapy session for me. You just planted a bunch of, of seeds and things I'm going to circle back on and, and work on. So I appreciate it so much. Right. On. I appreciate the time, uh, just to, to chat and look forward to doing it again, hopefully on a beach somewhere. And, uh, yeah, you guys stay safe. Hope you get some some good hurricane swell. <laughs> yeah, the the uh, we've have all these storms in the Atlantic right now, and so there's a bunch of waves, but the wind is not cooperating. You you know the story, so I'm just watching and waiting for those windows to to slide in. But cool. Well, thanks a lot. Take care. You too, Travis. Take care. Waterloop, Waterloop, Waterloop. The Waterloop podcast is brought to you by High Sierra Showerheads, the smart and stylish way to save water energy, and money while enjoying a powerful shower. Use promo code WATERLOOP for 20% off at HighSierraShowerHeads.com. You're in the Waterloop. Waterloop.